Hi, hi, all of my fans, friends, and followers. And did you enjoy my episode number five, Batman, Riddler, and Moth? I'm always excited to learn about your thoughts, reactions, and opinions, just as you like to learn about what happens on the shows, the shows that I've done, as well as my life stories that you enjoy. I think you know today will be about the Green Hornet. Another challenge for the Green Hornet. His aide, Cato, and their rolling arsenal, the Black Beauty. On police records, a wanted criminal. The Green Hornet is really Britt Reed, owner publisher of the Daily Sentinel. His dual identity known only to. The first day I recall going to the studio was exciting, and truthfully, I just didn't know what to expect, although looking forward without question or any doubts. The director was Daryl Hollenbeck, a man who definitely knew his business. Shortly after, I met the very handsome Van Williams playing dual parts, transforming from businessman into the Green Hornet who fought for justice along with Cato. Also, there was the very pretty Wendy Wagner as his assistant. My character was Vama from Outer Space. Vama. At this moment, five of our sister ships are hovering high above us. Unless you do exactly as Lita asks, they shall destroy your entire city in an instant. And I was the very first female to ever zap down and knock out Bruce Lee. This action became history. I met Bruce at the studio for the first time, and believe it or not, there was an immediate friendship. I'll explain. For sure, it seemed that right off the bat, he and I clicked, and Bruce began sharing many things in his life. The Green Hornet was his first acting role in America, and as most of you know, Bruce was a very good-looking guy and had been, of course, a star talent in martial arts kung fu in Hong Kong films. I believe that was the chief reason he was chosen as Kato to be the kung fu protector of the Green Hornet. Although Bruce never talked about his wife, Linda, that coincidentally was my name and well i don't know it could have been because my name was the same as his wife's that he may have felt an unexpected comfort level uh, that's at least what i thought albeit during takes and filming a special and trusting friendship began between us yes he was Cato, the green hornet's protector but much more than that the legendary Kung Fu master, Bruce Lee, who was destined to become an American icon. The legendary Kung Fu master, Bruce Lee, 
By the way, July 9th, 1967, Bruce wrote in his diary that he named his martial arts style Jeet Kune Do. I had to put that in. <laughs> My very first day of shooting was the day I met Bruce. And as he approached me, almost immediately, he began talking about his career. Well, what would you do if it were you? I mean, no. Well, what would you do if you were me? Listen, of course, right? And listen is exactly what I did. He kept looking directly at me all the while chatting on and on, wanting advice about his life. I never had anyone do that to me before. There were times he would stare in, well, he'd just stare into my eyes, but then quickly look away, all the while continuously talking. Sometimes he'd step back and look down immediately as if he was unsure of himself. Since I hadn't known him for any length of time, I would always listen. I would always listen, and also because we had an immediate friendship. This would happen every day that I was on or off set. He'd find me, <laughs> he would find me no matter where I was, whether or not I was in costume or waiting to change into being the golden Vama. During breaks was his favorite time to come over and begin talking. His main focus was always on his career, which encompassed something that, well, I have to say it kind of saddened me. From his voice, I could feel his pain from something deep inside that he wasn't fully accepted. That, well, he felt that being Chinese, no, I can't say because he didn't say this, but I felt that he felt being Chinese in the Hollywood film community, that he was desperately trying to become accepted and a known star. Being overly sensitive myself, I could definitely recognize and feel his sensitivity regarding those who did not appear to fully accept him. Those who had, at times, well, they would be whispering or even sometimes halt their conversations when they saw Bruce and me talking together. I don't want to cry, I'm very sensitive, so excuse me. He was gentle. Bruce was very gentle and treated me with great respect. As he asked my opinions about almost everything in his life, he would say many times, I respect your opinion and you're smart and very educated, a special and beautiful lady. Well, I was taken aback when he gave me those compliments, but I immediately came back to him and said, um, why do you think that? And then immediately I'd say, how do you know I'm smart? Maybe I'm dumb, as my eyes would glare at him. And then we'd both break up and really laugh. Now, I was definitely younger than he, but it was as if he looked up to me. Now, please don't confuse the numerous chats we had as flirtation because it was not that, and I didn't feel that it was. He was very much a gentleman and at times would speak with hesitation, but 
never missed the opportunity to ask for my opinion and what I thought he should do regarding his upcoming career decisions. Does all this make sense? Well, if it does or doesn't, that's the way he would talk to me. Excuse me, I get emotional. <laughs> he would go on and on and at a rapid pace and then slow down to ask, you understand me? Yes, I would answer to assure him he was doing fine and that I understood his words very well, and I did. He spoke in depth of an upcoming decision he had to make, then explained it was about an important career decision. I could clearly see from the way his body moved during scenes while filming that he was his, well, he just knew his business. That's what I want to say. He was a professional and extraordinary in his field of Kung Fu, which rather blew my mind since I'd never seen anything like the whip of his grip. And that was before, although anyone could immediately spot, recognize, and respect his extremely unique and incomparable talent. That's when I asked him, I said, well, would you, would you teach me some Kung Fu moves? He looked surprised, <laughs> like he was taken aback, but immediately got a big smile on his face and said, sure, I will teach you some moves that will scare anyone who tries to touch you. <laughs> of course, I was delighted with hearing that. All right, for instance, you will read it in a book, in a magazine and everything, that when somebody grabs you, you will first do this, and then this, and then, and then, and then, and then, thousands of steps before you do a single thing. Of course, these kind of magazine would uh, teach you to be feared by your enemies and admired by your friends and everything. But uh, in Kung Fu, it always involves a very fast motion. Like, for instance, a guy grabbing your hand. It's not the idea to do so many steps, stepping right on the instep. Feel that go. This is what we mean by simplicity. Same thing in striking and in everything. It has to be based on a very minimum motion so that everything would be directly expressed <laughs> one motion and he's gone doing it gracefully not to go ah yelling and jumping all over him but to do that soon after i felt quite confident and i blocked his attempt to be aggressive uh oh kick me in the stomach as hard as you can no i do not want to hurt you ah i accidentally and unknowingly kicked him in a very close to the wrong place. Are you all right? Uh, all right, I'm sorry, but I'm sorry I said you asked for it. You're not hurt? As he whipped his head around to see if anyone saw or was watching and said, be careful, you hurt someone with move like that. Boy, you first woman to kick me there, not good. Not good, you understand? No, I must say that Bruce Lee was a one-of-a-kind, and anyone viewing his lightning-quick moves would be astonished. To me, okay, to me, ultimately, martial art means honestly expressing yourself. Now, it is very difficult to do. 
I mean, it, it is easy for me to put on a show and be cocky and be flooded with a cocky feeling and then feel like pretty cool and all that. Or I can make all kinds of phony things, you see what I mean? Blinded by it. Or I can show you some really fancy movement. But to express oneself honestly, not lying to oneself, and to express myself honestly, not that, my friend, is <laughs> very hard to do. Well, that's what I thought. I can not and will not ever forget the powerful and incomparable great Bruce Lee. Now, switching to my story, phew. Well, my mom was being courted by a nice gentleman whose career was manager of municipal bonds at Bear Stearns, about which I really knew nothing, zero, Nada. He was nice, although seemed a bit stiff, but the most important thing was that Mom finally seemed happy. Now, let me go back for just a moment, and if you missed the last, my last episode, you'll understand that my dad had married a girl that was exactly my age and divorced my mother, so that's why I'm talking about this now. All right, moving right along. As I mentioned in episode number four, I'm bewitched, the hysterically funny I got caught story. Remember? Now, see, that's why you have to listen to all of my stories. Okay, I moved into a very nice home in Beverly Hills between Sunset and Santa Monica Boulevard, known as the Beverly Hills Flats but not to be a forever home, as in for years, because I had my own silly expressions, and this one was, in the meantime, in between time. This, that's, I mean, that's a home to live in for a short time. <laughs> so during that time is when I met the love of my life at Tom Bergen's Tavern on Fairfax Avenue, well-known restaurant, and that's, of course, explained in another one of my episodes earlier. Moving right along, if you missed my super romantic romance, you might want to catch up in episode number five, Batman, Riddler, and Moth. If not, that's your prerogative and your choice. Now, I'd like to squeeze in my funny trip up to San Francisco in a VW bus, Volkswagen bus. Now, we're talking, you know, in the late 60s here, uh, like 67, 60, I don't remember exactly, but here's how it goes. Some of you may remember the hippie era. If not, you surely saw movies about that era. Well, when Mikey and I were in the back area of his friend's VW bus, Volkswagen bus, it was fixed up like a bed, and friends of Mikey's were driving and were smoking grass. So what in those days, so what? In those days, it was, well, what everyone was doing, except for me. But I pretended because I had had asthma as a youngster and nearly died, so it just wasn't my deal or on my agenda, but I did take a couple of puffs. 
Mikey was fine with that. And, well, that's a quick story about my trip to San Francisco in the back of a VW bus, and we all were excited to see the animals. Johnny Rivers, Creedence Clearwater Revival, etc., etc. Maybe some of you remember. So from here, we'll go quickly fast forward to my church wedding in Westwood on Wilshire Boulevard, a beautiful landmark church with family friends, celebs, and all close friends of mom and dad's and members of Bel Air Country Club. I'm not name dropping, it's just the way it was. I had five bridesmaids, three of whom were school chums, one neighbor, a darling girl, and one of which was my very best forever friend, Jill. She was my special friend, whom I'd met through my good friend, actress Peggy Lipton. And I may talk a little bit about Jill and her, well, <laughs> I don't know, but okay. I'll talk a little bit about Jill and her lengthy romance with da -da 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 -da, Marlon Brando. But that'll be in a future episode, if you're lucky. Actually, that affair could be a book. Immediately after the wedding was a phenomenal reception at Bel Air Country Club. I will mention an incident that occurred at my reception that will forever be one of, or possibly, the most outrageous incidents, or should I say incident, that could ever happen and, and, and just may go down in the annals of infamy at or for any wedding celebration. I ha it had to happen to me, right? No, but it did. Oh my gosh. Walking into one of the club's largest and most elegant rooms with views of the city, a gorgeous sunset, flowers everywhere, a five-tier wedding cake, and orchestra playing their hearts out when an incident occurred. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. All right. This was the topper of anything anyone could possibly imagine, especially at Bel Air Country Club. Well, my dad and I had just finished dancing when he turned to Mikey's mother and asked her to dance. Everyone knows that at a wedding, champagne flows, and in this case, most guests were slightly inebriated, to say the least, especially parents of the bride and groom. Now, Dad had always been an incredible dancer. Even when it, he even won trophies when he was younger, so he walked over to Mikey's mother, took her hand gently, and led her to the center of the dance floor. Although most guests and family members were having a gay time, enjoying the champagne, etc., everyone seems, well, they seemed to have a slight sway in their walk and stance, as all eyes seemed to be focusing on Dad's dance moves. Mikey's mother looked a bit off balance, although delighted with my dad's impressive moves, but still something was off. Just. I don't know, something was wrong. Oh dear God, I don't know if I can even say this. Within moments, Mikey's mother 
slip. Her legs flew up in the air, exposing her undergarments as she went down to the floor. My dad immediately picked her up as if nothing had happened. But to be honest, the whole shebang had been exposed, if you get what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Truthfully, reliving this memory embarrassed Michael and me for many years and haunted me for decades. Now, let's talk about my honeymoon story. Our parents had arranged a special suite at the Bel Air Hotel for our wedding night, and the next day we were whisked off to the airport where our plane was waiting to fly us to our honeymoon destination in the Caribbean. In about six hours or so, we arrived at a very special resort on the beach, and immediately Mikey saw a beautiful freshwater lake that was part of our hotel and wanted to take a swim before checking in. So he changed into his swimsuit and dived right in. Within moments, he popped up out of the water like a flapping fish. But wait, you haven't heard it. Half his face was red as a beet and hugely swollen. Now this was a catastrophe. I yelled, what happened? And he said, who knows? Let's just get the heck out of Dodge. And I said, okay, but let's check in. And he said, no, I don't want to check in. I said, are you out of your mind? Where do you suppose we are going to sleep tonight? Charlie, I, I always called him Charlie when he was off someplace. So anyway, I refuse to leave. I'll go and check in. You, Mr. Redface, stay with our luggage. But he came with me to the front desk and quickly complained to the manager about what had happened. Oh, by the way, what in heck was in that lake, he said. Look at me. The manager replied in a very kind and kind of, I don't know, like he wanted to help, but he couldn't. That kind of a voice. He said, I am so, so sorry, but didn't you see the sign, sir? Well, what a way to start a honeymoon. Between the incident at the club and this, the very first day of my honeymoon, it wasn't off to a romantic start. All this is absolutely true, and this is one of Linda's bumpy rides on a bumpy road. Like All the while that I had been prepping for my marriage, my dad had found a really cute house in Benedict Canyon that he was remodeling for Mikey and me to move into. So, mm-hmm. During that time, he had been studying for his stockbroker's license as he had planned to manage his family's portfolio, which wasn't small. <laughs> All right, but now let's really get down to it here. Thinking back, there had been something brewing, a somewhat odd feeling in the air, and yes, I knew there was some kind of a war somewhere, somewhere off, I don't know, around the world somewhere, but at that time, here in the United States, in California especially, Bel Air, Beverly Hills, Malibu, movie stars, etc., well, it seemed beyond my comprehension but only at that time. 
Shortly after, there was no doubt things weren't good at all. There were demonstrations against the war, and looking back, all this was happening in the late 60s, and the Vietnam War had become an issue in America. And in 1969, the draft began, and Mikey's brother, my brother-in-law, was drafted, and that was a traumatic shock, as he was to go to, I don't want to cry, Vietnam. Things were very bad, big time. One good thing happened, and that was that Mikey had received his brokerage license to manage his family's portfolio. At least we could count on an income of some kind. <laughs> oh gosh, now this is when Linda's bumpy ride on Linda's bumpy road really begins, like you cannot believe. America was changing and became a very, well, a very troublesome time to say the least. My father was a caring father in so many ways, but with the same token, he loved to chase women. I'm, I'm changing the subject right away because I don't want you to get too depressed. <laughs> so anyway, my father was very caring and he loved to chase women. So I was quite nervous about breaking the news, also known as spilling the beans, that he was soon to be. Drum roll, please. Now, episode number seven will be Gidget, who is the winner of so many awards, she doesn't have room for them on her mantle, or even on her walls left in her home. The brilliant and incomparable Sally Field. Thank you for listening to my sixth episode. Love you all, God bless, and stay safe.